This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Uh, we have sort of a problem here. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the Blurring the Lines podcast, episode number 161. I'm your host, Adam Bell, and joining me as always, my co-host, Peter Nicolaitis. How you doing, Peter? I feel good. Good. (laughs) Like James Brown. Yeah, well, not not exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you'd look a little different than James Brown, but not by much. (laughs) Right. <laughs> uh I mean, thanks. He, he, had, he had a nose, ears, mouth, face. I mean, fair arms, enough. Legs. Fair enough. I'll take that. <laughs> oh, brother. Yeah. So how are things? Thing things are well. We are uh we survived the tornadoes that went through last week. I um, heard about those. Praise the Lord. No limbs, no, you know, problems. Uh, we had some uh, people that we knew that had some limbs and some problems, but no fatalities and no major, major issues. So I also know people with limbs and mm-hmm. with problems. <laughs> limbs and problems. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a large subset of people, actually. A large, large, a large set. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so that that was good i mean that was that was a big tornado that went i mean that affected a lot of people across our country I mean, mm-hmm. yeah uh, i heard heard about it we just had rain well the the mayfield kentucky that they are geographically they're not very far from from us right because uh it's it's all it's almost due north but slightly west um, and it's, it's within our path of mountains and terrain that, you know, that storm went over Clarksville, which is where my parents, uh, live up near Paducah and then right and just nailed it there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's really not that far away. So it's probably hour and a half drive to there from where I am not far. That's doesn't take uh doesn't take a tornado very long to cover that distance either (laughs) no it doesn't (laughs) well i am glad that you and yours are okay yeah well and i mean ashland is at university of louisville if it had kept on the trajectory it was going that would have been louisville so it didn't so once again thank you there you go (laughs) oh boy oh boy oh boy Hey, yeah, I don't see in the uh, in our show notes the document. Uh, it doesn't say where Peter does not type above or below this. Oh, type below here, Peter. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, the, and this is this is our last podcast of the year. So we we got to make it good. We want listeners to get their money's worth. Let's make it a good. We're worth every penny, free and worth every single penny. Just like <laughs> now, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it's just like log for J. Yeah, <laughs> we're, the we're, is worth what you paid for it. We're, we're going to get into that in a bit. So, um, mm-hmm. but um, what I did, um, uh, yeah, we'll talk about not so free first. A couple of not free things. Um, I bought the. Uh, I switched from the Nest to the Ecobee thermostat recently Uh 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have a smart thermostat? I forget. I do. Well, it's smarter. I mean, it's a programmable thermostat, but it's, I have the ability to connect it to the app on my phone and I have had it connected, but it's not anymore. It. <laughs> so for the last 10 years or so, I've had Nest thermostats, mm-hmm. almost 10 years anyway, at least uh, in that whereabouts. And like when it works, it works. It's great. And when it doesn't, it's really frustrating, just mm-hmm. like almost any technology. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and what really was irritating me is recently over like the last month or so, my Nest was just completely ignoring my location. Mm-hmm. Now it's tied to my phone and it is set to use the phone's location. So when I leave, it should know that I'm away and it should adjust accordingly. And mm-hmm. when I come back home, it should say, oh, Peter's here. I should turn up the heat. <laughs> it was not doing either of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really irritated me when I was at my parents' place up in uh, for Thanksgiving last month. And on Saturday morning, I just I forget why I open up my nest and I take a look and the heat's fired up. Yep. Like I was gone for two days and it didn't even seem to notice just running the heat (laughs) like normal. So I switched to the Ecobee, which does things a little differently, but it does, um, you know, so it's, they, their algorithm is definitely different. Um, and they have sensors just like it. So I have pretty much the equivalent as hardware wise, the same setup that I had with the nest, which is one thermostat on the main floor and a sensor on the second floor and a second a sensor on the third floor. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm experimenting with that now. Uh, the other thing that I liked about Ecobee is that it's HomeKit compatible, so I can do iOS automations, um, and I'm trying, I, I bought a few things on Black Friday. Uh, this is one of it. I bought some smart light bulbs. I'm leaning towards HomeKit stuff, Home HomeKit compatible stuff, as well as stuff that works with Amazon and Google. Mm-hmm. But I find that the stuff that goes through HomeKit seems to be vetted a little better, both for quality and security. Okay. And so that's why I'm focusing on, on that. And the Ecobee was one of those. I also bought some, I don't remember, Fate or Felt, F-E, I think F-E-I-T, uh, smart wireless light bulbs. Um, they were on sale at Costco and a friend of mine had a Costco account and she's like, I'm going to buy some of these. And I was just like, yeah, pick me up a few of those. They were, they were super cheap, but uh, HomeKit compatible too. So I was like, I'll take those. And um, so I ha- haven't gotten around to setting those up yet, but I have a few different, you know, Shenzhen bargain basement specials in my house that I'm working on, you know, like toning down. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've got Philips Hue light bulbs throughout the house. And then I'll have this other thing. We'll see how that works. So yeah. more stuff will come along to report. So um, you're, you've got the nifty for today, so I won't hijack that, but I'll give a sneak preview. I have a Bluetooth enabled water bottle. And that's <laughs> all I will say about it for today. Well, there's no rules about having two nifties. Well, that sounds pretty nifty. Maybe we should talk about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's our podcast. I mean, we, we... it is our podcast. <laughs> and if you dear listener don't like the order, then please send us some feedback and let us know and we'll change it up. Okay. And then fine. I'm going to jump straight ahead to the nifty. Or if somebody this wants is... to sponsor us, then we will bring up their nifty boom absolute <laughs> what he said yeah. 
So <laughs> I got the Hydrate Spark 24 ounce or 710 milliliter smart water bottle. Okay. Um, structurally, I like the construction. It's, it took me a little getting used to because it's got this, this pull top type uh. thing. And then out of habit from all my other water bottles, I am tipping to drink. Mm-hmm. But this one has a straw that goes all the way to the bottom. <laughs> so I was like, I'm sucking air a lot. I'm like, what's going on? But um, what's cool, and I don't think you'll see this unless I set it down on a table, is it's got sensors and a battery down on the bottom. And so when you set it down, it takes a measurement and it's constantly measuring the weight of the bottle and it sends the differentials to the app on the phone, which tells you throughout the day uh, where you're at with your water consumption. Ah, nice. Let's be clear. Do I need this? No. No. (laughs) It was an early Christmas present. So I was like, all right. So a friend of mine uh, recently uh, had to go to the emergency room. And one of the suspected reasons is not drinking enough. Uh Uh-huh. So she bought one of these. And then, so, you know, as you know, uh, I'm big on accountability buddies. Mm -hmm. So I am now her accountability buddy when it comes to drinking. (laughs) Water. 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 (laughs) Hydration and water. Every every time she takes a shot, I take a shot. (laughs) Boom. boom. (laughs) So that's what I kidneys hate us. Yeah. So, so far I like it. It, It's, it's pretty cool. There's also a a watch app. So you Mm -hmm. can, you know, glance and see where you're at. Does again, it normally, pardon? does it sync with your health app? It does uh, supposedly sync into the health app. And I don't, supposedly you can f- sync it to my fitness pal, but apparently my fitness pal is not pulling the direct, the info out of the health app, okay. even though they both have bi-directional access to the mm-hmm. data. They're not looking at that, but apparently I think there's a way to sync it right into my fitness pal, which is the, you know, calorie tracking, you know, meal tracking app that I use. Really. I, I only use it because I've used it for, I forget, I've lost count of how many years it's been now. Um, <laughs> but like, I think closing in on it's been at least like eight, eight or nine years. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there's a lot of momentum there. Sorry. It's only been, 2,843 days. Yeah, that's all. Right. That's my longest streak. I probably did it longer than that, but I've consistently logged data to my fitness pal for 2,843 days. (laughs) Um, So, but it doesn't seem to track the water unless I do that manually. And I don't really care about that much. I think I drink enough water. I used to do it old school, just with a bottle that had numbers on it. Yeah. So, but now I don't have to tell anyone else like, Hey, look, I drank because it says you did. It's kind of cool. Um, It does glow. Like when, if you're behind, if you're falling behind schedule, like if you haven't drunk anything for a full hour or something, the bottom lights up and Mm -hmm. glows a little bit. And when you finish or you, you know, hit a milestone throughout the day, it'll glow as well as sending you an app notification if you want. Yeah. And of course you can turn off the app notifications um, but what's funny is it, it definitely has a, a sense of humor. Um, <laughs> it, it will send you, you know, like funny notifications or inspiring notifications. So like it sends one, like uh, a couple days ago, it's like the water's not going to drink itself. Yeah. And, um, you know, like trying to get rid of that cotton mouth. So, so it's, it's pretty <laughs> funny. So I'm at 49% of my daily goal right now. Nice. Well, does it also warn you 
if you consume too much water? I don't know. I have not tried that. It very well could. Yeah, because, I mean, most people don't know that that's even a possibility. Yeah, water, water. Um, I mean, that, that's that's dangerous stuff. You got to be careful with that. I mean, you could drown. <laughs> Reminds yeah. me, like, back when I was in college, I remember a professor um, had, had pointed out to some paper, I think was circulated on the internet about um, dihydric monoxide. Mm-hmm. which is this, you know, substance that is that you have to be very careful with, um, you know, consume you, it is, uh, you, you can consume it in small quantities, but inhalation of it can be fatal overconsumption can be fatal. Um, it's a super common element. Uh, it's re- result results in like numerous deaths every year. Uh, you know, and of course, dihydric monoxide is two parts, hydrogen, one part, oxygen, water yeah (laughs) uh, yeah so anyway that's pretty funny that's funny so oh cool yeah i uh i mean i i hate that it's a i mean it's definitely a first world problem keeping track of the water intake Uh, Mm -hmm. but, but i do a terrible job of it i mean and it's really easy to not get them if you're if you're not monitoring if you're not measuring yep if it's not quantified yeah you don't know what it is (laughs) it's so that's something that i have definitely my body is in tune to i can tell when i have not drunk enough water um and it did take me two bouts with kidney stones back in my early 20s to really appreciate it though and uh i'm a convert since Mm -hmm. then you know so uh but i can definitely tell i start to get like you know a headache or even a low-grade fever if i haven't drunk enough water and you know i'll start to feel dry especially Mm -hmm. in the winter i can tell my skin starts to feel drier Mm -hmm. you know like around the cuticles they start to get crunchy and stuff yeah so uh oh and then nosebleeds it's always fun yeah so so Are, are kidney stones hereditary do you know uh i don't know but my dad has them well, all the time <laughs> that it's funny my dad uh has them and has had lots of them like mm-hmm. his whole and i don't know if it's he's not a big drinker of water or if it's just some other phenomenon the way he lives his life but i've never had one that i'm aware i mean if i've passed it i mean i've never had a problem with mm-hmm. me i mean i'm sure it's possible i could have had a build up that passed one way or yep. another and i had no problem with it yeah so i'm i'm fortunate in that but i'm i wouldn't say that i'm 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 i mean i hydrate but i wouldn't say that i'm like super hydrated yep but i wouldn't I, i'm definitely not a uh, minimalist i don't drink like two coffees and i go for the whole rest of the day <laughs> right yeah. yeah and that's the thing too is like water like pure water is not the same as drinking say coffee or soda right Mm -hmm. those are different and uh, you know and that was something i learned with my that was the the cause of my second bout was i was drinking lots of iced teas i would drink like three snapple iced teas through the course of the day and i would think thought i was doing great yeah but you know what you're saying water yeah just water and sugar and caffeine and other stuff that actually contributes to kidney stone buildup. Hmm. 
but you mentioned like, um, you know, stuff passing. I mean, yeah, ideally this stuff is just passing through the system all the time. That's the whole point. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's when, when you don't have enough water, keeping it moving, that's when it builds up. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Anyway, so that's my nifty so far. I like it. And uh, yeah, I didn't pay for it. It was a gift. So I guess it was, it was worth every penny that I paid for it so far. <laughs> but I am grateful. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's, a fun, it's a fun little toy. All right. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. That does sound interesting. Um, that is an interesting gift too for especially, I'm, I'm thinking some of my, some of my guys. Uh, I mean, our job in, in IT generally is in front of a computer and unless there's someone like you or me they're sitting in front of a computer and they're Mm -hmm. not moving all day long where they got a fitbit that tells them hey you need to get up every hour or an iphone that tells them you got to get up yep and a water notification would be nice too because it might also make them get up and go get some more water (laughs) yep Yep. It's, it's good. I mean, and and there's no excuse 20th century, you're working in tech, you're surrounded with reminders all the time. Yeah. You know, this is the kind of conversation I feel like I have with my, you know, my team, like there's no reason for you to not know how many tickets you have open right now, or to not realize that there are tickets that are waiting for your attention. Right. It's (laughs) the computer will tell you these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we've got, we've got a, a vulnerability to talk about IT. So this one's, a, this one's going to be an IT episode. But, somewhat. Well, somewhat. <laughs> but before we do that, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to answer it first because I've had time to think about this question. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to answer my answer, and then you'll have time to think about your answer. Okay. So uh, we're, this what, log4j whatever that means. We'll find out here soon. Uh, but it's a vulnerability. Uh, somebody asked me if they called it log jam. I was like, I, I don't think so, but maybe that's what somebody called it. I, I said, but that's not what I've heard it called, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, so how do I, I'm going to ask this question for you. When you hear something like this as a vulnerability out there um, and you're thinking, oh no, I've got this risk from my clients, my business. I mean, I've got to take care of this. Um, How do you think about that? And so I'm going to explain, how do I think about that? I am not curious about how it was created, why it was created, who created it. What I am curious about is how does this affect my clients and how do I mitigate this, um, this threat? And what do I do to do that? Mm-hmm. And th- there's a problem with that. I mean, the problem with that is I'm not ever going to solve the problem. I'm waiting for somebody else who is curious, who does have an understanding of how this thing works mm-hmm. and how to protect. So I go immediately into, all right, let's find out who's vulnerable. Let's find out how we fix it. And let's find out how quickly we can roll it out. Well, don't you care about any of these other curious things? I don't give one flip about it. But without people who do give a flip, we couldn't fix it. <laughs> so now you know the question. How, which which side of the coin are you on on that? I'm more towards the practical, how does this affect me and by extension, my client base? 
Mm-hmm. So for sure, I am curious as to how this happened, um, because even if it's a lesson that I don't necessarily learn directly, um, there's probably a lesson for me and my clients to learn somehow. Right. Yeah. So I am curious about it, although it's not my primary, my primary focus definitely is how does this affect me? How does this affect my, my client base? Um, I am curious though, like, um, because again, like I, I hate using the expression, but you know, there are people way smarter than me who are worrying about this right now. And that's true, right? There are people who know a lot more about this vulnerability and vulnerabilities in general who are working on this and they're going to be taking care of it. But I need to be aware of what mitigations and mitigation steps are available to me and to my teams and to my clients. Mm-hmm. So I am curious about it. Like I heard one theory, for instance, let's back it up just a little bit. What is, mm-hmm. what is this log for J and what is this log for J um, vulnerability? So uh, log for J itself is a, uh, it's a library uh, or a program built for Java. It's an open source project from the Apache Foundation. Uh, Apache is a nonprofit organization that backs uh, a number of free open source software packages. The most popular of those uh, being the Apache HTTPD web server, mm-hmm. which runs, I don't know, these days, I think around half the internet or so. Well, um, yeah. I mean, every, every single thing that we're running, every IoT is running. A, you know, an Apache web server on it. Yeah. If it's got a web server, it's probably Apache, maybe Nginx these days though. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course on the Windows side of things, it's internet information services. So, uh, but uh, anyway, it's a, uh, it's a very popular package. So log4j, maybe not as popular as Apache, but really, really, really popular and yeah. really, really, really widespread. Uh, what it does in a nutshell is it's a program that allows programmers, developers to very quickly and easily implement a logging system. So something to capture your diagnostics or your system logs. Logs are important when you have software to see what happened, what's going wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So with a few lines of code, you can just boom, make this thing that captures your logs. And, and, you know, if you're running in Java, so that's great. Unfortunately, what was recently discovered is in recent versions of this, uh, this program, with a few lines of code, an attacker can also take over any system running log4j. Womp womp. Womp womp, yes. <laughs> so these programs often run as system level uh, you know, or root level access. So they have total control over the system because to capture logs, you need to be able to you know, like read a lot of stuff and you need to be able to write them somewhere. So you need a high level of access to do that. Um, And so versions, uh, was it 2.12.2? Oh, sorry, 2.12.1, I think, or 2.12, all the way up to 2.15 are vulnerable to exploits. Mm-hmm. And what happened was last week, it came out and said, you know, it's versions 2.12 to 2.14. Um, the fix was upgrade to 2.15. That 
that came out and the next day, another vulnerability was found with 2.15. Not as bad as the first one, but still bad. So I blogged about this, um, you know, for, for one of my clients, uh, and I explained, you know, like, what do, what do you need? This was, this was, so I've been, number one, I've been sending out technical instructions, uh, at the hospital to all of the information services management and, you know, team leads saying, this is what's going on. This is what we see. This is what we think you need to do. If you have any questions, ask, and you know we'll we'll work with you as as we can. Mm-hmm. I've also been saying, okay, for you non-technical people, you've probably heard about this now because it is making mainstream news. Yeah. Right. Um, what does this mean to you? And let's talk about that because you know you and I are not we're giving technical advice, but we generally give it to folks whom we assume are less technical than we are. Right. Right. So if we focus on that, the question is, what do we do? What does it mean? Um, and I gave the example, they're like, well, what, what could be affected by this log for shell vulnerability or the log for J vulnerability? Well, um, your smartphone could be available, right? If it's an Android device and it's running Java, it, there's conceivably apps in there that could be vulnerable. Um, your home computer may have software installed on it that has this vulnerability installed. Maybe. Could happen, you know. Mm-hmm. There are definitely Java programs out there. It's still a very popular platform. So Minecraft runs on Java. Oh yeah, Minecraft. There's one right there. Right? <laughs> now I don't recall though, right off the top of my head, was it Minecraft the client or was it the servers that were vulnerable to this? In this case, I don't remember now. I, I don't do remember. remember. I would guess probably the server because it probably um, sat. I mean, it doesn't get a lot of updates. So, yeah. Um, so, so again, and this is an example where me, um, you know, not a Minecraft player. I don't know. I know my godson used to be really big into it. Is he still now? I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Minecraft. Okay. So that might affect you. And even if you play Minecraft, does it necessarily pose a, a threat to taking over your computer and your bank account and stuff? Unclear. Does it, pose a threat to interrupting your games. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Cause if the server goes offline, you're not playing the game anymore. So um, it also could be uh, your email provider, your internet service provider might be vulnerable to this. Your hospital patient data records could be vulnerable to this. Oh, Tesla's are vulnerable to this. <laughs> oh no. My car, my car. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So this is, you know, this is going, this is a big one, right? This is going to be some, some, at least one or two security firms, I forget it was Flashpoint or someone came out and said, this is bigger than Heartbleed and the Eternal Blue exploits, which came out, you know, were now we're a few to several years ago, which again, are these things that just affect everything, right? Just about every system has a component or something in there. Mm -hmm. So what can you as the end user do? Likely, you know, it's, it's good to be a little curious, right? And see like, does this affect me? Uh, And check for updates, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Look for your IOTs, your, your smart light bulbs, your router at home, um, your computer. So have any software updates? Do you have any programs that you know are running Java, right? Look for updates. So in general, this is something where I 
mostly don't worry about because I've got all my stuff set to automatically update. Mm-hmm. I did the calculation and I said, you know what? When things like this happen, I would rather take the update and the chance, and it's generally a really small chance, you know, percentage wise of something going wrong as a result of the update rather than waiting and having security alone vulnerabilities hanging out in the wind and, you know, being exposed to hackers. Right. So that's my quick nutshell summary of Log4j and the Log4Shell and associated exploits. Mm-hmm. Well, and another consumer product that I do know is um, uni- Ubiquity Unify Controllers. Yes. They run Java. And- yes, they do. And there's the vulnerability there and they have a patch for it. All you have to do is go out and download the latest version of the controller software. Um, and like I said, most, most home users, if they're using it, they may be using it on their phone. Um, yep. but I think it still uses Java on the phone. Yep. I think, I think it's a Java app still mm-hmm. both, both sides. Ubiquity. That was an interesting, do you remember? You remember, was it earlier this year or last year when they had this big compromise? I do not. I thought we talked about it. So Probably did. They had a problem where their cloud infrastructure all hosted on Amazon was, was compromised. <laughs> Turns out that the, the guy who blew the whistle on it was actually the compromiser. Oh. So he like, he was an insider. He worked there. He, you know, essentially like did this data dump and then was like, oh, their security sucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, I guess if they allowed this one guy to do it, but uh, wasn't quite as bad as he made out, mm-hmm. made it out to me. So I thought that was kind of a funny slash sad story. Yeah. Funny the slash not sad. accidental insider. <laughs> well, and so then going back to, I, I'm right along there with you at the end of this vulnerability. We'll all do an afterburner of, all right, how did it go? How did we respond? How do we do this better? Is this a vulnerability? Let's not make this a vulnerability in the future. Let's yep. update our Java everywhere. <laughs> and that's a thing, you know, like for a large enterprise though, I mean, for, for most of, I suspect for most of the clients, that um, you and I work with um, that we're probably not, you know, it's, it's probably pretty easy to patch stuff, yeah. right? For a health network with over 20,000 employees or larger, you don't just start pushing out package, packages, right? You need mm-hmm. to test it. You need to see what's going to break. There's a ton of legacy stuff that's in there. There's a ton of... Um, uh, custom made software for which there are no patches, right? <laughs> so now it's like, oh yeah, we built this, this custom app and it uses log 4j. Um, we, we'll, you know, we'll try it, but we have to get in touch with the developer in-house. Oh, he's not here anymore. He quit 10 years ago or he retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we do? Right. Mm-hmm. Which goes to, this is why you have to keep your software up to date and maintained so that it can be quickly and easily patched. So when problems mm-hmm. like this ra- are raised, they're taken care of easily. But if you have something that's ancient and no longer supported, I'm looking specifically back to one of my legacy clients in Vermont, whose new uh, insurance business is still running on an Access 2003 database. One of these days, you're going to have problems. <laughs> and I've 
told them so many times. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is what happens if stuff gets old and it's out of date. You know, and again, mm-hmm. with a relatively small deployment and a small business like yours and mine, it's not that big a deal, right? Mm-hmm. Even if, if we find like, oh, I mean, okay, this would probably be here's here's a nightmare scenario for you. Maybe not a nightmare, but um, you're you use Connectwise, correct? We use Kaseya. Kaseya. Okay. For ticketing and stuff too? Ticketing and our oh. RMM. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Kaseya. Hmm. They had some problems last year, right? They did have some yeah. problems this yeah. year. This year. That was right. <laughs> this That's year. right. I was thinking this, this summer. Was, I was thinking solar winds. So yeah. 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 Solar winds what, was last year. <laughs> what would happen if all of a sudden, you know, you found out like, okay, Kaseya, we're going out of business next month. Right. We're just rolling up shop. We're shutting down. What would you do? Right. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty, right? No, it wouldn't be pretty, but we would, we'd roll up our sleeves and switch them to another RMM, but right. we got to touch every one of them. Yep. And what about all the legacy data that's stored in your customer database and stuff? Is, oh, that, is that important? That's very important. And I would, I would love oh. to get an export of all of it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they would offer that service if they hopefully. didn't, if they right. didn't, um, it'd be a complete loss. I mean, it'd be a complete loss of knowledge. Yeah. So, you know, but, but it's something like, like, even if I said, okay, they're going out of, out of business 30 days. Um, yes, you can export your stuff and then we're shutting it all down. Mm-hmm. You think you could cope with that? I could cope with that. And then we would see, we would feel it later. Yeah. You know, so, so, because uh, I know that you have switched platforms like mm-hmm. that on a number of occasions, right? Yep. And I have as well. Um, it's not the end of the world. It's not fun, but it's something that on the scale at which you and I operate, we can handle that, right? Yeah. 1100 endpoints. That's how many I support. Yeah. Now, now you take that and you, you know, move it to 20,000 endpoints. Uh-huh. with you know like <laughs> yeah. like like some software that's been in use for not exaggerating more than 20 years uh-huh and it hasn't been updated since then and it's completely customized and that's the thing is right it's not so much just switching it's not like just installing a new copy of microsoft office mm-hmm. right there's all the customization that's going into it don't think about switching all of you know switching from microsoft office think of it as switching all of your Microsoft Office documents and having to convert all of those to some new format, right? This is, there's a lot of effort that goes on in that. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's move on. Yeah. I think we need, I think we need more happy thoughts or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, one of the things, I mean, I, I know that you do this as well, but from how we address the issue of getting Java updated on 1100 computers is we have a service that we work with and they review these updates and they push them out to all of our client computers. I can't test every single patch that comes out. I mean, that'd be a full-time job for somebody, which is why this particular piece is pushed out there. But then they review it. They like it. No problems. They deploy it. It pushes across my 1100 plus another hundred thousand other ones out there. Mm -hmm. And so there are ways to do this. I mean, it's not a, 
you and I didn't go out and get on every computer and run Java update.exe. <laughs> you would be surprised. Oh, well, you, you sent out a document and said, okay, the, here's the link. Here's the run. <laughs> run as administrator. You're good. <laughs> I still work with a client um, who has several hundred Linux servers and they still do all of the maintenance by hand. Yikes. SSHing what? into individual boxes every time. It's yeah. painful. <laughs> well, and that's one of the, uh, uh, that's one of the, the things one of the big reasons we use Microsoft. I mean, people think that Microsoft is evil um, and it's the worst software ever. It's not stable, it, you know, but it's, it's scale. That's the thing. We're talking about scale. If I want to push out an update um, a, to 1100 Ubuntu workstations, it's going to be a different thing than what I do with 1100 windows workstations it's gonna be yep. so much easier for me in windows can it be done absolutely right yeah. do tools exist to do it yes are they as robust as what microsoft provides with active directory and group policy <laughs> mm, i don't think so um and there's definitely so much more third-party support for managing windows systems because they're the dominant player yeah there's a bash scripter out there that's hating us right now yeah, you know, and, and, and if that person wants a job, I, I have some ideas where I could, you know, could find work for this person. Yeah. So. I could use you. Yeah. Yep. yep. So. All right. What else we got? All right. Um, we are that. I mean, that was kind of my big one for the day. Um, I do have our nifty number two which was from the episode that we did not record, but we really had a good time. And <laughs> we were ready for that episode. We were ready. We were ready. We had, we had a thing to discuss. So, so one of the, one of the things that I want wanted was a speaker so that Elizabeth and I could go to the farm and listen to the UT football game. And so I wanted an external speaker. I went with Bose. I like Bose. Bose has good sound. They've had good quality for a long time. So I went with the Bose Bluetooth waterproof speaker. I don't know that I would immerse it. I just don't think that'd be a good idea, but it could, it can get wet. I would, I would say rain would be okay, but it has a really good quality of sound. Um, it's a really small box. I mean, uh, probably eight inches by four inches and about, you know, two inches thick. Mm -hmm. It's got a nice little loop that you could carry on your backpack. Okay. Um, and we listened to the ball game for three hours and it was like at 78%. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it yep. charges quickly. And I've like always that. been happy with Bose sound quality. Um, I'm trying to remember. I have not had a lot of Bose equipment. I had the quiet comfort two over the ear travel headsets Mm -hmm. I had that, I uh, had that for a good 10 years or so. Um, and I had the sound dock for the iPhone mm -hmm. back when it was the old, I don't remember the connector before lightning. 
the yeah. old, the old, you know, uh, rectangle. Yeah. Yeah. The, for the iPhone three. Mm-hmm. And then I had to get an adapter for the iPhone four on top of that. Yeah. And then I think briefly, I even had an adapter for the iPhone five for lightning on top of that. So it's, so it's getting taller and taller. Um, I mean, it was fine. It, the sound quality was great. Uh, the biggest right now I have is, you know, it's Sonos and I've definitely gone on about my love hate relationship with them you know, on this show. Yeah. Um, someone uh, I know is looking to like redo her home audio system and she's uh, trying to decide between um, uh, Bose and Denon. Mm-hmm. And apparently uh, she said, that, well, Bose is CD or not Bose, uh, Sonos, Sonos mm-hmm. and Denon. And they said, well, Sonos is CD quality, but then it is HD quality. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there was a 2007 or so study saying that humans can't really tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> the dogs are happy. Yeah, exactly. The dogs are way, they come running when you fire up the Denon. They don't listen to the Sonos at all. So. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I bought an Amazon tap a few years ago for mm-hmm. the, for really the same purpose. Uh, the problem with that is you have to have an active internet connection when you start that device up yep. and I'm going to the farm. I just want it to be a Bluetooth speaker for my phone. I do yep. happen to have internet, yep. but I got to wait for it to connect. And if I go out of range, you know, it'll keep playing what I'm doing. But if I go out into the field where I don't have internet anymore, I stop the speaker. I start the speaker. Do, do, do. No connection. <laughs> like, come on. It's just Bluetooth. You should, you should be smart enough just to keep doing what you were previously doing. Yep. Uh, so I don't have any of the smart intelligence in that Bose speaker, but it just plays what I want out of my phone. And that's what I need. There you go. <laughs> Although, you know, the thing that does irritate me though, uh, in the advertising, they've got it on a backpack of a you know young people walking through the woods or whatever. Nothing irritates me more than walking through the serenity of a hike and hearing somebody else playing what they want to hear in the woods and disturbing everybody else. I mean, it's just rude. <laughs> There's a reason they call them. They used to, back in the '80s. They referred to them as ghetto blasters. Uh huh. <laughs> Not in the ghetto anymore, people. Not in the ghetto. I mean, that's why. I mean, earbuds. If you if you need the music, you can't be out here and just enjoy. Get yourself earbuds because we don't want to hear your music. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah. I even like like I like to listen to music when I go out kayaking. Mm-hmm. Right. And I like to just bring a little portable speaker along with me. But whenever I start getting closer to other paddlers or whatnot, I always mm-hmm. turn it down. Yeah. You know, it's like I get self-conscious about it. Even if I'm listening to like Proud Mary by Creedence Clearwater Revival, <laughs> you know, um, which is like, does it get any better when you're rolling on the river? I mean, come rolling on. on the river. <laughs> but, you know, I don't feel the need to blast everybody, you know, like you don't have to listen to what I'm listening to. It's yeah. okay. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you don't get a lot of litter and skinnered up there, do you? Not so much. Not so much. Sweet home Massachusetts. Sweet home uh, Massachusetts. It's it a cover by quite... the band Boston. I don't know if you know that version. <laughs> it doesn't quite roll off the tongue like it used to. <laughs> yeah. Sweet home Worcester. 
if you go canoeing in Tennessee, you will hear Leonard Skinner. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good times. <laughs> what else? So, well, since this is the, um, we're wrapping up the end of the year, I have another mm-hmm. little nifty too to throw okay. in there. Why not? Right. Why not? Um, so I got a mini keyboard case for the iPad mini six. Okay. 20, 2021 edition. So still loving my iPad mini. Um, I do recall though, it was a little over a month ago. Uh, I had it in a bag, not a case and I did drop it and it dented the upper corner, just narrowly missing the camera. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just cosmetic damage, thankfully. But I was like, all right, I should get a case. And so I found a case, which is, it reminds me of like the stuff from Otterbox, you know, which is really mm-hmm. rugged and stuff. Um, completely turns this thing from a nice little svelte, you know, one-handed tablet, you know, perfect form factor into a miniature Panasonic Toughbook laptop. <laughs> um but what is funny about it, it it's, it's pretty nice. Um, it has a somewhat adjustable, um, you know, angle for, mm-hmm. for the, uh, the, that, that the iPad actually sits at. It includes a keyboard and you can also rotate the, the iPad 90 degrees. So it can be either in portrait or landscape mode, which is cool. pretty cool. The keyboard is nearly identical to the Canx Bluetooth keyboard that I reviewed back, I want to say in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it. You know what? Hang on. Let me find out. Canx, mymac.com, Nicolaitis. And we all, we did all, we've also talked about it too. 2016. 2016. So I now have two of these keyboards effectively. Nice. And the other reason that I decided to get uh, one with a keyboard as opposed to just a case was on my iPad, periodically, the keys just, uh, the, the keyboard, the old Canix I have, it would just, I would be typing and it would just stop working. And then only after a little bit of t- troubleshooting, I realized it would stop working for text entry in a field where I was trying to enter text, but I could do the Apple tab and switch between applications or I could do command or, you know, Apple F to find something and I could type in there. So I realized after I had the second keyboard, which started displaying the same problems as the Canx keyboard, it wasn't a keyboard problem. No. Which is kind of funny though, because now what I do is I have the old, I have one keyboard paired to my iPhone and the other to my iPad. And I have the two of them sitting side by side and I actually use those periodically. Uh-huh. So it's kind of funny. It's kind of silly. Um, so I have a backup, <laughs> but it's shocking. You like, you hold the two of these up and other than like the labeling, it's identical. Um, they did change the, the new one. I forget. One of them has, um, has visible screws screw holes all around the back mm-hmm. whereas the other one is completely you know flush so i think maybe the old one would be just like pry apart whereas the new one is screw apart mm-hmm. um, but other than that it's the exact same form factor so i didn't have to relearn the key positions or anything nice. um, and it's it's pretty nifty you know like if you're willing to take the hit on the size 
then it works. Uh, it has a uh, Apple II pencil sized holder, you know, in there. So I can just take the pencil and stick it in and it also charges it. Mm -hmm. So it's got enough of, you know, connection that it'll charge the pencil when it's in the case, mm -hmm. um, folds over very nicely. And, um, also what I can do is if I turn off the keyboard, I can just, um, lay the iPad down. So it obscures the keyboard and then I can draw on it as if it was a notepad on my desk or something. So it's not the fanciest thing. It's definitely some, you know, Shenzhen province knockoff kind of thing. The, the brand is like Ivsotek, <laughs> I-V-S-O-T-E-K, all caps. Uh -huh. um, but it works. And, you know, it costs like, it was like 20 or 30 bucks. So I was just like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. And now I know that my iPad's a little more shielded. Should I drop it again? Mm -hmm. um, and it's just also, it's a little more convenient than having the case. You know, I had the keyboard in its case and the iPad. So then I would have a two separate cases, mm -hmm. you know, or two separate things here. It just mashes them all together and keeps them all in one place. So nice. I like it. I find it to be nifty. Well, cool. Well, and I took your advice that you, we talked about, uh, I don't know, weeks ago where, uh, I wanted a mouse for my iPad yep. and I bought that little flat mouse and it just works perfectly. Uh, it takes me from, you know, 98% productivity on the iPad to 99. There's just still that 1%. <laughs> yep. I mean, but it's pretty, that's, that's a, that's a word. Those, those last 2%, those are the hardest. So yeah. <laughs> so knocking out 50% of the remaining 2%, that's a big win. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. I like them. The only complaint I have with that is the, the, the battery life on these keyboards is astonishing. Like, yeah. I think the only time it has ever that I've ever not been able to just turn it on and work with it has when I like when I let it sit on the shelf for a year. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, not so much the mouse, mm -hmm. the mouse. I have to remember to plug in every day or two. Otherwise I'm like moving it, moving it, moving it. I'm like, ah, oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> Channeling Kevin. Oh. <laughs> so, anyway, but yeah, those little things are like, it's, it's astonishing too. And especially now that I have good reading glasses and no extra contact lens stuck in my <laughs> yeah. eye, I'm actually quite happy I'd say 90% of the time using an iPad mini as a laptop replacement. I did not think that would be the case, mm -hmm. but I'm liking it. Fantastic. So. Um, I have one last bit of stuff and then I think I'm good. All right. Lay it on me. Running update. Running update. I'm up to four minutes forest. on one minute off four minutes of running one minute of walking. Nice. And um, yesterday I did about a quarter of the Skyline Trail, that big nasty one that, that mm -hmm. was featured in an ultra marathon here two weeks ago. Yes, sir. Um, it felt leaps and bounds, literally, easier <laughs> than when my running buddy Greg and I did it uh, this past summer. Now, granted, this past summer we did the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was trying to run the entire time. But, um, you know, this time it's just like, I felt great. I had fun. And, you know, just like I was not smoked at all. So I only ran, you know, was out there in the trails for a total of about 30, 35, maybe 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but it's feeling good. I'm really liking it. 
Um, while I still am embracing minimalist shoes, I'm keeping one pair uh, or one uh, trim of um, my old um, New Balance uh, Summit unknowns uh, for mm -hmm. trail running. And in fact, I did just buy a second pair. Uh, so what I've been doing is almost every time I run is I alternate now between minimalist, non-minimalist minimalist shoes. Yeah. And, um, and what I'll probably end up doing is using those trail runners for some longer uh, road runs, even though they're like specifically made for trail, just because I really like the cut and the feel of those. So, so that's my running update. Things are getting better. And I am so happy to do that again. So my running buddy, Greg, <laughs> he's coming over today. Uh, we're going to uh, target a 10K run, which would be my first long, you know, not really long, but mm -hmm. my longest run since uh, for, in the last exactly two months, because mm -hmm. it was exactly two months ago today when I ran the marathon. Cool. So that's my plan is today we'll do my longest run in two months. And um, I have run over 1000 miles this year. Nice. So, yeah. So that's my, uh, you know, did I ever set a bucket list, run a thousand miles in a year? No. Should I do so retroactively? Maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was on my list. Yep. <laughs> there you go. So I think that's you, all I got. What else you got? So we've got, we've got Christmas, New Year's coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, what are you, uh, what are, what are your plans and what are your predictions that we're going to talk about in January? <sighs> First, the easy stuff, the predictions. We're going to talk about the same stuff we've been talking about for the last however many years it's been on this podcast. Um, and then two, um, going up to Vermont, uh, New Year's Eve. So I'll probably spend a few days up there with my folks. Mm -hmm. um i'm still my normal teaching schedule down here in studio is is normal so i'll probably come back maybe tuesday um i might even put in a rare on-site appearance at the hospital in uh, new hampshire mm -hmm. not that it matters but you yeah. know just sometimes maybe i can snag a a, a meeting with someone so or you know something in, in person um, and then, uh, new year's Eve, I don't really know, um, holiday related stuff. I'm going to be seeing, uh, the nutcracker, uh, yeah. live at the Boston ballet on, on Saturday, not usually a big, you know, ballet kind of guy, but mm -hmm. I was like, it sounds kind of cool. It's a, it's a Christmassy thing to be, you know, to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, that's it. New year's Eve. I have no idea. My, my days of trying to go downtown Boston and, um, you know, laugh at all of the college girls in their mini skirts in high heels. Uh, I don't know. I don't, it's not as entertaining as it used to be. Um, <laughs> I remember one time, though, that I was out there, the temperature was well below freezing. Mm -hmm. And just watching girls in high heels super short mini skirts and nothing not even wearing coats mm -hmm. moving from car to clubs and stuff i was just like i cannot relate <laughs> you know isn't that such a weird phenomenon that you know when i was when i was 20 years old i was very attracted to 20 year old girls i was less attracted to 40 year old women 
uh, I mean, a woman's still attractive regardless of her age. I mean, we're men. I mean, after all. But if I were to say, you know, if something happened to my wife, God forbid, and if I were ever going to date, it would not be a 20-year-old girl. I mean, there's just, it's like, there's nothing in common, you know, even though they're physically attractive, the, the whole meant the, all these other factors are like, yeah, she's just not as attractive as she used to be. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Things yeah. change, man. Things Your change. Tastes change. Our perspectives change. Our, yeah. Our, our needs of, you know, relationships change of what we want in a somebody who's going to hang out with us. Yeah. So, yep. so my predictions for, uh, you know, I've got, you know, we've got our standard stuff, you know, the Christmas with families and girls come or the, you know, our girls are home. Ashlyn's home for, uh, from university. And so we're home for the holidays and new year's we'll have friend party with, with friends and pretty standard stuff there. And, you know, I think that uh, next year we will we will double our guests who have been on or on the show in 2022. <laughs> well, all right, then. I mean, that's a that's a that's a lofty goal. But you know what? When we set goals and we have some accountability, sometimes those things actually happen. Right. Yeah. Is example by the fact that I'm using a microphone stand again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I, uh, and I do appreciate it too. I mean, I, I didn't care as much before. Cause I was like, ah, you know, it will, I'll just fix it in, in Adobe edition and make all of our levels better. But yep. la- last week's podcast was, uh, recording quality was so much better. And I think hey, this hey. will be better. We're both pop filtered and everything. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, on that note, I think it's time to take us out. Yes, sir. So, If you want to get a hold of us, dear listener, uh, you can find us at blurringthelinespodcast.com. Adam is on Twitter at Sublime Comp. I am at on Twitter at Nicolaitis. <clears throat> Adam's website is sublimecomp.com. I have nicolaitis.com, yogawithpeter.com, paradigmcc.com. And I can also often be, well, somewhat often, be somewhat semi-regularly, semi-irregularly be found <laughs> on the Friends with Beer podcast with my yeah. friend Scott Wilsey. And someday we might have to have Adam uh, uh, Adam Bell on there because he is also a friend and he also drinks beer. Yeah, we'll have a crossover episode. I think that actually sounds good. That That's what it should be. The next, <laughs> yeah, we should schedule that for sometime in January. The Blurring mm-hmm. the Lines, Friends with Beer, you know, because the the lines between the two podcasts will blur. There you go. And we will all have fr- be friends and we will all drink beer. So. And it, perfect. It, it'll be all blurry. Well, I can't wait. <laughs> On that note, I think it's time to hit the big red button. Indeed. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. To contact either us or our guests, visit BlurringTheLinesPodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast. And leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.